Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker Podcast. I recently caught up with Ed Maslavekis, CEO and co-founder of Bud, to discuss their plans off the back of their recent funding round, how they identify which partnerships will add true value to clients, trends around their consumer data, and ways to approach external investment with minimal scarring. Thanks Hi. for joining us. So congratulations, some really exciting news in the past week or so around your investment. So you must all be bouncing off the walls in the office. Yeah, we we are kind of bouncing off the walls in in lots of different ways in in the sense of it's an amazing achievement for the team, but really the kind of realisation now is all the the deals we're trying to create with the banks and the expectation of what we have to deliver in the next couple of years, which was always massive. There's a fine magnifying glass on that, so... Yeah, there's definitely, yeah, the pressure's on, so it was like a, a day of, oh, isn't this amazing? And then, wow, okay, there's lots to do. So yeah, so we're, we're really excited and just looking forward to the challenge, I suppose. Amazing. And what can we expect to see from Bud as a result of Yeah, this? so a lot of different things. Our roadmap is crazy this year. We'll be launching a new test app, which people can get hold of. It's not necessarily meant for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but it's something which we're going to use to sort of try new things um, again because we work so much with banks we really want to be able to sort of test and learn really quick and, and bring data learnings to the banks that we work with and say you know these are the type of experiences that might benefit your customers so that that's one thing again obviously the banks that have backed us we are working quite closely with mm-hmm. we sort of announced last week that the bud platform is going to be launched inside of first Direct's app which is really mm-hmm. exciting we'll certainly see some live banking rollouts few more big partnerships so some really exciting stuff I think. Awesome and when it comes to partnerships so you're um, partnering with over 85 organizations already how do you determine what partnerships are going to truly add value not only to your proposition but also for your customers? Yeah so this has been kind of a it's a good question it's been the kind of ongoing piece that we've been sort of testing and learning in terms of what customers experience when using our very early direct-to-customer app our different test apps we've worked with banks Mm-hmm. Ultimately, you know, what we have found is that, you know, the sort of first version of what Bud was is displaying relevant products to customers and, and seeing what the adoption might be. From there, we sort of understood the kind of correlation between a customer, so learning from transactional information, what that customer looks like and what type of products they are looking for and looking to take out. Are there a set of behaviors that could indicate that, you know, they are looking for something or something might be useful? So we're building those kind of engines and then off the back of that, it's about actually integrating directly with those third parties rather than just them finding a product. They can then start to kind of onboard and use that. So it's those really deep partnerships that have been the thing that we've seen, you know, even just specific login and read APIs mm. have way higher adoption and customers just ask for more of those. So we'll definitely we're responding to that with our partners. Yeah. Um, but then going beyond that is kind of the seamless onboarding and usage. So just deeper integrations. Okay. And then on the flip side of that, what have been some of the biggest challenges you face mm. with working with so many third-party providers? Honestly, I don't think that there's been particular like challenges from our partners. I think certainly we've had some really interesting learnings where, yeah, we work with a lot of fintech partners and startup companies. So there's an inherent risk that some of them may be bought out or you know fail god forbid um, but that that does happen so it's kind of learning of like you know what the protocol was the process of that happening and then having the risk framework around where the, what the customer is using you know who is liable for what part of action that's been something that's been really helpful with 
working directly with banks mm. to have those chain of casualties essentially. So so yeah, that's something that we've learned that's been challenging, but we're now kind of working on this really cool way to automate and get onboarding of third parties, not of just customers, but third parties um, within a couple of days. That's gonna be really exciting. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so that's like one of our big tech challenges at the moment. Yeah, and especially with the projected growth, if you can do that in a couple of days per partner. Absolutely. That's gonna be massive. Yeah. And no doubt open banking has opened up so many doors and so much opportunity for smaller banks and fintechs. So what has been the feedback from those types of organizations so far? You know, they are now moving into this marketplace and they're willing to do it. What we are trying to do with, with the bank partners is kind of get the third parties, whether it's a large financial organization or, or a small one, to see without kind of giving away the game, you know, mm-hmm. what's actually coming in the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of a direct relationship. And, and, you know, what we're seeing now is while wow, sort of three or four years ago, we were telling everyone that this marketplace banking thing was coming and it's going to do all this kind of stuff rather than just be a shopping board. Mm-hmm. And now what we're starting to see when we go into organizations is they're kind of saying the stuff we were talking about three years ago. So it's starting right. to permeate, which is yeah. great. Um, and that's when I think you know we've got a sort of good partnership. And then having gathered data around consumer behavior for almost four years now, mm. what are some of the biggest trends or say variances that you've noticed across different demographic groups? Yeah, so we've got some really cool stuff and that sort of really speaks to a lot of what we've been doing with the platform. It's not simply about, yes, a lot of people have access to data, right? So mm. big banks have access to data, but actually what can you do with it? How deep can you go? How can you query that data? And we've been doing some really cool stuff on that and sort of with our banking partners sort of showing what behaviors we're finding with customers and they're quite Mm -hmm. amazed even you know specifically finding out where customers are using other financial products what they're using them for you know what kind of activities really and 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 what that's now allowing us to start doing is actually sort of what will allow us to do is kind of help customers and sort of understand are they using products correctly or not because any financial institution doesn't want customers to be using a product to do something that's not meant to do. So that's what, that's going to be quite interesting in itself and something that I think people don't really talk about. Yeah, it's great to kind of have that level of insight behind each customer. One for the other entrepreneurs out there, having been through a number of funding rounds mm. successfully, how has your approach developed and what, what kind of advice would you give to someone looking to go through a similar process? Yeah, it, it's so fundraising is a particular type of hell that like <laughs> I wouldn't wish on anyone. So I think, you know, ultimately what, it, what, what fundraising is, is, is a series of no's. You know, those are the things that you remember the most. And I mean, obviously the yeses are big and amazing, but you know, when you see an announcement about a fundraise, be very open, you know, our Series A was quite large. You see it and you think, wow, that, they, that must have just been, people must have been coming to them and mm. um, that must have just happened. It was a year of work. When we started fundraising, it was very similar messages, maybe given in a different way. But ultimately, it's just really perseverance that, that gets you there. And, and, you know, when you see these fundraisers, they're not just some VC comes along or a bank comes along and goes, we want to give you this money and you're the yeah. best thing ever. So, yeah, if anyone wants, else wants to do it, you know, you're not going to come through that process without being scarred in some way. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. And it's like that classic in the press, it's like yeah. overnight success. Yeah, You're yeah. like, mm, okay, it took about three years to become an overnight success. Yeah, overnight successes are not done in the day now. So really building that thick skin to deal with the nose. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at our story, I mean, look, we've been around since 2015. Mm. And we were very early in the market and what was happening. 
it kind of started before open banking with the kind of belief that you know this stuff should happen and it's just been perseverance and now we're really starting to pick up traction and marketplace what does that mean at bud i mean it's such yeah. a buzzword but yeah. what does it really mean for you guys kind of like We've been stomping and jumping up and down about marketplace for four years, and sort of now we're kind of realizing that marketplace maybe isn't the best word. We've not come up with a better word yet, and that is like such a <laughs> new cool word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. That's a challenge I've put out to the entire company. Is like I said, the one thing it can't be marketplace McMarketface because you know our team love to give things silly names. Yeah. But we're trying. You know, ultimately the problem with the problem with marketplace is that essentially the way you envision it is a marketplace is a shop window of products and that mm. isn't what the marketplace is about it's about intelligent recommendations or nudges or experiences that are created based off of your data now whether that is hey there's a product here that's potentially marketplace or hey actually you know senior really trying to put a, a deposit down on a house here's our budgeting experience and there might be underlying products there there might not mm -hmm. it really depends on where that person is in that process so what we're trying to sort of do is find out a little bit more about what customers ambitions and dreams and goals are and there's some really interesting data as to like different generations and how they think and how they spend which is actually very different to what we see in the media so the youngest adult generation now is sort of really savvy mm. you know and they're like yes they're Instagram generation but actually they saw their parents and, and people that lost jobs in the recession. So actually, they're very careful with the money. They spend very carefully. They save up. They might splurge on an item, but mm. then once they've worn that item a few times and, and had some photos with it, they're, yeah, once, they're, once they've put yeah, it on exactly. the ground. But yeah. then they're selling it on, you know? It's like yeah. this kind of... So, so actually, you know, it's, that, there's some really interesting stuff there. And that understanding allows us to actually think about things in a different way. So, you know, the biggest, most exciting thing for us from Marketplace right now is... We're working on this piece called rental recognition, which is basically if you are paying rent for a property, which, especially in London, that's probably the same as the person's mortgage, right? So you're paying mm. someone else's mortgage. But lenders currently, you know, because they don't have access to that data, that doesn't go toward your affordability checks, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, so we're working with Treasury and some credit bureaus to allow, we're picking up the data, making a, building a rental profile, and then passing that on to the credit bureaus and then we'll, on the other side we're working really hard with our bank partners to allow them to take that so actually it's this idea around using open banking for affordability and then at the end yeah there's maybe a product mm. and connecting those all together with an API journey that is what marketplace is about not necessarily about like a shop window yeah exactly yeah. it's not just like logging onto an app and seeing a range of products no. it's kind of personalizing it more absolutely and that rent piece is so good as well because when you think about it most people's largest outgoing is their rent yeah. so they should really be tracking that data yeah, for, sure. um, for a positive point there and originally focused within retail banking mm -hmm. can you talk more about your business banking proposition and how you're going to be building on that for the coming year yeah I can talk sort of briefly about it we we sat out with a couple of ideas in business banking and maybe they were a bit naive I think we'll admit now that um yeah, there is a need for exactly the thing that we do in business banking. So mm. bringing products together, smart recommendations, all that kind of stuff. But when we were building that out, we had some really nice ideas around it and it got some interesting conversations going with some banks and things like that. What we realized was actually we are working with retail customers mm. and that it seems kind of crazy to not try and build an experience which, yes, does the things we do for business banking, but also connect retail and business. And if we start to think about there are ways that open banking allows that to happen, that's the kind of stuff that we're now 
really thinking about. So we've gone back to the drawing board because we realised there's something a bit more powerful that we can build in the space. Mm. Yeah. And then it's almost been a year since open banking. Um, it's still pretty early days when you think about it. So how do you see this evolving, say, in the next 12, 24 months? Yeah, I think open banking is often portrayed in the media that it's about PFM and aggregation, and mm. that's one part of it, but it's really about the things like rental recognition, allowing open data sources to create interesting flows to help customers do things and achieve the things they want to do in their life. Like that's the thing that is like the top priority in someone's life, you know. Whether yeah, I think true value. Yeah, that, that's it. So there's some really cool ways that we can connect the data up and that essentially what's happening with open banking is actually is changing what banking is from kind of singular focused product experience to platform-based experiences. So platform-based experiences mean that the banking model is about service first and product second. Mm. So actually, I know that sounds kind of buzzwordy, but what it means is that in a world of open banking, if a customer can bank from anywhere in terms of see their transactions and make payments, then they will choose an experience which is the most useful and probably the most holistic because it has relevant products and relevant things to make you and help you achieve your dreams. That will be a type of marketplace experience. Now, what experience that looks and feels like might be very different from one bank to another bank. If a social media company went and did it, it would feel probably very different again, mm. but all sort of off the principles of the platform location of finance. So that's what we're seeing and that's what open banking is doing in the UK and Europe. We've seen it happen in China, we're seeing it happen from the private side in the US. Um, so it's definitely a, a global thing and that's why it's really cool to be in urban banking in the UK. Definitely. Well, Ed, thanks so much for your time. It's great to hear all the exciting news for the year ahead at Bud. Pleasure, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. For show notes and more content on the podcast, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. To keep up to date on upcoming episodes, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at RFI Group. Or if you'd like to let us know what you thought of the episode, just email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.